Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Captain's Log Sermons. You'll be hearing Nathan preach not only at Liberty Grace Church, but also at surrounding churches. We hope that this is an encouragement to you and that you're blessed. Well, hey everyone. It's it's great to see you all uh, here this Sunday afternoon. I can't believe it's already December 13th. We were talking about this a little bit before the service, but I feel like Christmas is just really really snuck up on us this year at, at least for myself it it seems like it's far too early for it to already be christmas um but as miriam mentioned earlier in the service we're starting today into a new series um leading up to christmas over the next couple of weeks and that series is going to be called why christmas um, if you've ever had many interactions with kids or you know much about kids at all, you'll know one of the favorite words of any kid on the planet is why. It doesn't matter what question they've asked you or how good of an answer you've given them, they always like to continue to ask why. They never seem to be satisfied with the answer that they're given. They always want to know more about why things are the way that they are. And coming up to Christmas, I feel like that's, that's also a common thing that we hear around this time of year, of people asking, why do we celebrate Christmas? What's Christmas all about? Why do we have this holiday? And there's a lot of different answers that people give to that. But the, the one answer that we give in the church is that we celebrate Christmas because this is a time of year that we look back and we remember the birth of Jesus Christ in the stable in Bethlehem, that classic nativity scene. And that is, that is the purpose of Christmas. As a kid growing up, one of my favorite things around this time of year, there, there were a lot of them. I absolutely love Christmas time and all things Christmas. But one of my favorite things was getting to watch all sorts of these, uh, Christmas holiday specials that would come on TV. And one of my favorites of all of them was A Charlie Brown Christmas. And hopefully you've, you've had a chance to see that at some point, but if you haven't, it's uh, the story of Charlie Brown trying to direct this Christmas pageant with all of his friends. And of course, everything goes completely off the rails with that. But through it all, he's trying to figure out what the purpose or what the meaning of Christmas really is. And so at the end of this little um, Christmas special, Charlie Brown's friend Linus gets up on the stage, all the spotlights are shining on him, and he recites a passage out of the book of Luke uh, from chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And this is what it says. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And after he's recited that little passage, Linus wanders down off the stage over to Charlie Brown and he just simply says to him, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And so he gives a, a nice simple answer to that question of what is Christmas all about? What's the meaning of Christmas? 
it's time to remember the birth of Jesus Christ. But this year, leading up to Christmas, we're going to continue to ask that why question. Not why are we celebrating Christmas, but why is there a Christmas? Why is it worth celebrating? Why did Jesus come to be born on earth? What was the purpose of that? So we're going to be tackling that question, why Christmas? And to do that, we're going to be looking at a number of different passages out of the book of Hebrews. It's not necessarily the first book that pops to mind when you think of Christmas, but this is a book that is all about Jesus, gives us such beautiful and rich descriptions of who Jesus is and the work that he's done and the mystery of his incarnation. And just to give a little bit of background on on what that word means, the word incarnation, when we talk about the incarnation of Jesus, what we're talking about is Jesus, who is who is God coming to be born on earth as a human being and living as fully human and fully God. He was as much a human being as you and I are, and yet was still fully God. So that's what really the incarnation of Jesus is that God became a human being and lived on earth with us, which is such an amazing thing. And so to start off this series, um, we're going to look at that uh, passage that was read for us, just the very beginning of Hebrews, the first four verses. And I want to read that for you again. So Hebrews chapter one, verses one to four, it says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And so this book opens up, this book that is so focused on on who Jesus is and telling us more about what he's done with these few verses where the author is um, talking about the way that God has spoken to his people. Verse one, he, he jumps right into it at the beginning saying long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now the book of Hebrews was one that was uh, originally written to uh, a group of, of Jews who had become Christians And as such, you can see that as the author is writing, there's a couple different things that he's taking for granted. This isn't a book that's trying to convince us that God exists. And this isn't a book that's trying to convince us that God has spoken to his people or has been active in in speaking or taking part in this world. The, The author is taking for granted that the people who are reading this book already knows that. He's not trying to convince them of that at all, just beginning with that simple statement of fact that God has spoken to their fathers through the prophets. And he uses that as sort of a foundational truth that he builds on in the verses that come later. But what he's doing here is he's referring the Jews back to their own history, which they already would have been very, very familiar with. Jewish children growing up, they would have been very familiar with the scriptures, what we have today as our Old Testament, and the way that God had spoken to his people and been involved with them throughout history. 
that wouldn't have been any, any kind of a shock or big surprise to them to hear that God has spoken to their, um, to uh, his people through the prophets. Rather, it's just a helpful reminder for them going forward that God has always been active in speaking to his people. As we go through the passage, what we see is the author is instead arguing that the way God has spoken to his people has changed. But that foundational truth that God has spoken to his people and has always spoken to his people, that has never changed. And we see that all the way back in the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, when God first created Adam and Eve, he would walk and he would talk with them in the Garden of Eden. There was a, an intimacy of relationship there in which God would personally speak to Adam and Eve, just the same as I would speak to you. But after the fall, that relationship that they had was tainted because of sin. And so the way that God communicated with his people, that changed significantly. But God still continued to speak to his people, but rather he now did it through the prophets, these messengers that he would send to deliver messages to his people. And it was through these prophets throughout history that God would reveal himself to his people and allow them to know him, to know who he was. You think of Moses, who God used in order to give his people the law at Mount Sinai. He would also use these prophets to, to pronounce judgment against the sin of his people to show where they would fall short of his law and the fact that there was no amount of good works that they could do that would make them good enough for God. They could not earn God's love on their own. And you see that so, so many times in, uh, in the prophetic books throughout the Old Testament of the prophets pointing out that the people would continually live in disobedience to God. They were unable to follow his law on their own. But through these prophets, he would also provide hope for his people that one day he was going to send them a Messiah, a savior who was going to rescue them from this sin and restore their relationship with God. And so that is what the author really is beginning here and reminding the people of that God has always been active in speaking to his people. And so you wonder if the Jews were already so familiar with, with this concept that God had been speaking throughout history to his people through the prophets, you got to wonder why, why is the author bringing it up here? Why begin here if you know that people already know this? Well, he starts here, and this leads us right into the beginning of the next verse, which begins with a very small word, but a very, very important word, and that's the word but. These little words that we find in the Bible, it's very easy to sort of gloss over them as we read, but these, these small words can often be a lot more important than we first think. And so in verse two, he says this, but in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And so he's already established, established that God has spoken throughout history, through the prophets to his people, that he's revealed himself to his people through these prophets. But now he's getting to, to the main point that he's wanting to communicate in this book, what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to show the people how the way that God has spoken to them has changed. In the past, God would speak to them through his prophets, but now he speaks to them through his own son, through Jesus Christ. 
And you can very much tell it in the tone that the author is using here at the beginning of the passage that he's communicating to them that the way that God has spoken and revealed himself to them through Jesus is greater than the way which he's spoken to them in the past through the prophets. There's also a, a finality here as he talks about this revelation that God has given through Jesus. Well, verse one talks about God revealing himself at many different times in many different ways through different people. In this verse, he says, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. This isn't a revelation that's being given through different people and in, in different ways at different times, but this is a, a single revelation given through Jesus Christ. And it is a final revelation given through Jesus Christ. Jesus isn't just another step in God revealing himself to his people, but he is the climax. Every revelation that God gave throughout the Old Testament, through the prophets, all of that was meant to point forward to the coming of Jesus. It was through the law and the prophets that God made clear to the people that they were unable to keep his law on their own, that he made clear to them their need for a savior. And it was through the prophets that he promised to send that savior to his people. And so Jesus is the full and the final fulfillment of that promise that God made to send a savior for his people. And that doesn't mean that all the way that God spoke through the prophets is now less important because of Jesus, but rather that they were always meant to point towards the coming of Jesus, always meant to build up to this. While the prophets were able to give the people a, a partial revelation of God through the messages he gave them to speak to his people, Jesus was the full revelation of God through his word. I want you to imagine this with me. Let's, let's say the Queen of England wants, wants to speak with you. And so she sends a messenger to talk to you with a letter that, she has, that she's written herself telling you that she wants to come and talk to you and telling you what she wants to come and talk to you about. Well, when she actually comes and speaks to you face to face, that message that she sent earlier isn't now irrelevant because she's come and talked to you face to face, but she sent that message to prepare you for the fact that she was going to come and have an actual conversation with you. It was meant as a, a preparation for her coming. And that letter that she gave is still just as much her words and written by her as when she actually speaks personally to you. But an actual face-to-face -face conversation is a, is a much more intimate thing than a message you hear from a messenger. And that's how it was with the coming of Christ. The, the prophet spoke God's word in order to prepare God's people for the coming of Christ. And Christ's coming didn't make the message of the prophets invalid, but he fulfilled what they had said and presented a way for God to speak to his people in a much more intimate and personal way through his one and only son. And so as the author talks about the, the words of Jesus and how he came to speak the words of God, he focuses on two main areas, which is the authority and the power of Jesus' words. He said at the beginning of verse two that he's spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Jesus is the son of God and everything in this world belongs to him and it belongs to him alone. He, he is the ruler of this world and by right, everything in this world belongs to him. 
with that being the case, he has the ultimate authority to speak God's words to us. And while others would share messages that God had given them to transmit to his people, Jesus has the authority to speak God's word directly to us. There is no message transmission in which Jesus would hear a message and then go communicate that to other people. Every word out of Jesus' mouth was the word of God because Jesus is God. So he has authority to speak the words of God to his people. In the Great Commission, when Jesus is sending out his disciples to to share the gospel throughout the world, he begins with telling them this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Jesus has a special and a, a divine authority to be able to speak the very words of God to his people. And then in the second part of the verse, we, we see something of the power of Jesus' words. When he says this, through whom also he created the world. And this verse brings us all the way back to Genesis 1, in which we're told that God created the entire universe, everything that we know, simply through the power of his word. He spoke and everything that we know came into being. But it also reminds us of another passage that's found in John chapter 1. This is what we read in John 1 verses 1 to 3. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So not only is Jesus able to speak God's word with authority, he himself is the very word of God through which the entire world was created. Think about the the power of God's word that he speaks and everything that we know came into being. And so the author is telling us that when Jesus speaks, he does so with a power and an authority that nobody else on earth could ever possibly claim. A divine authority and incredible power as the very embodiment of the word of God himself. Then the author continues in verse three and four, continuing to give us such a a beautiful look at who Jesus is. Look at what these verses say. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. How amazing is that, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, who upholds the universe by the word of his power. As if the previous two verses hadn't nailed this point home, the author is now taking time to show how the incredible power of God's word is seen in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory, that he upholds the world through his power. That should be mind-boggling to us and incredibly humbling to realize the, the power and the majesty of who Jesus is. Just try to think about 
this this universe, even just what we know of of our own solar system or or our own planet Earth here, how amazing is it that Jesus created all of this through His power, as well as so much more that we that we don't know about. But not only that, he also sustains it. He didn't just create the universe, set it in motion, and then sit back to watch it run. He actively upholds and sustains everything that he has created. And as these verses give us a a view into the absolute and the amazing power of God's word, they also show us what Christ has accomplished through the power of his word. If you look at the end of verse three, this is what he says. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Think about that for a moment. When Jesus came to earth, he, he came with a mission. He came with a, with a purpose. It wasn't just random that God was bored one day and wanted to see how things were going on earth. He came with a very particular purpose and he came to to speak a very specific message to his people. As I mentioned earlier, through all of the Old Testament prophets, God had pronounced judgment on sin, but he had also promised that he would send a rescue for his people that would restore them and reconcile them to himself. And that's what Jesus came to do. That's the message that he came to speak When he taught, he taught about who God was. He taught about the kingdom of God. He showed God's love to everyone that he met. He spoke of repentance and forgiveness for sins. And he also warned of judgment for those who ignored and refused that message. And finally, he provided himself as the means by which that forgiveness was given to his people by offering himself as a sacrifice in our place. Jesus said of himself in in John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. It's only through Jesus that we find salvation. No one else. None of the prophets could provide salvation for the people They simply would convey God's message to his people, God's promise that the salvation was coming. Jesus himself was the means by which that salvation was given to the people. He offered himself as a sacrifice in our place. And he preached the message of salvation from sin to everyone that he met. And at the end, once Jesus had provided the way of salvation through his life and his death and his resurrection, this passage says that he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The work was finished. There was no more to be done. Nothing else was needed for our salvation except for Christ's sacrifice. And now he sits in heaven, having finished this work of salvation through himself and waiting for the day that he will return. And finally, in in the last verse of this short passage, the author drives home that point that he already made in verse two about the superiority of Christ over everything and everyone else. Not only is he superior to all of the prophets giving the full and the final revelation of God to his people, he's also superior even to the angels. 
We're left at the end of this introduction of the book of Hebrews with such a wonderful sense of the superiority and the majesty of Jesus Christ. And this is just the beginning of this book. This is just the first four verses of this book that explain to us who Jesus is. And we see the power of his word, which he came to earth in order to speak to us. And so we come to the end of this passage and return to the question that we asked at the beginning of why Christmas? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is the birth of Christ so significant? And why, why do we celebrate that? Well, looking at this passage, think for a moment about who it is that we're celebrating. This is not just some random baby who was born in a stable. This baby was the radiance of the glory of God. This baby was the exact imprint of God's nature, the one who created the world and upholds it. The one who came to speak God's word to us and provide a way for us to have salvation and reconciliation with God through him. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of who he is and because of what he's done. We see the whole story of his life, his death, and his resurrection. As we look at as we look at a passage like this and we see how God has spoken to his people, it's, it's easy for us to wish that we could have been there, to wish that we could have heard God speak in these ways. If only we could have been at Mount Sinai to see God's presence on the mountain as he spoke to Moses. If only we could have heard God's message through the prophets. If only we could have been alive while Jesus was on earth to hear him speak we wish that God would speak to us now in the same way that he did back then. Well, as I'm ending off today, I want to I end with giving you both an encouragement and a challenge as we think about that. And I want to encourage you with this, that God still speaks to us today. Just because Jesus isn't physically on earth in the same way that he was, it doesn't mean that he is done speaking to us. We've been given one of the greatest gifts ever in the Bible. We have the gift of being able to read God's entire revelation of himself, all of the words that he spoke through the prophets, all of the words of Jesus recorded in this one wonderful collection of books. It's in this book that God makes known to us who he is and what he's done. And it's through this book that he speaks to us and he teaches us about who he is. It's so much more than just another book. This is the living and active word of God. There's nothing else we need. There's no further revelation needed from God. His word in Jesus was the final revelation of God to his people. And it's recorded for us here in scripture. Read in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so that's my encouragement. The Bible is God's word, and through it, he continues to speak to us today. So that was my encouragement. Here's my challenge for you. Get familiar with God's word. 
spend time in this book. If you are able to be a part of Grace Group on Tuesday, we had such a fantastic discussion about the power and the importance of God's word, as well as the power that it has to change hearts and minds. I want to tell you this, this book can change your heart and your mind. The more you read it, the more time you spend with it, the more God is able to speak to you through his words and through the words of Jesus that we have recorded for us here. And the more he's able to change our hearts to make us more like Jesus, to transform us into the image of his son. It's in the Bible that God has told us everything about himself that we are able to know. And if we want to know God, if we want God to be at work in our lives, if we want to be changed by him, we have to spend time in his word, learning who he is, learning what he's done, and learning what his purpose is for us. It'd be pretty hard for any of us to claim that we really know God if we haven't taken time to learn about him, if we, if we don't take time to read the words that he has given for us. It's in his word that we learn about who he is and what he's done. And it's only through studying God's word that we're able to grow in our relationship with him. He teaches us and reveals himself to us through what we read in scripture. And through it, we're able to know him more. And so I, I challenge you, get familiar with God's word. Spend time in this book. Each and every day, take time to be reading God's word. And if that means you have to get up a little bit earlier in the morning, do it because it's worth it. If that means carving out some time later in your day, each day to read God's word, do it. Take time to study God's word. And I know as, as you look at this book, it, it can seem very large and, and daunting and perhaps confusing and may not know exactly where to start, but there are so many resources out there and available to, to help in studying through God's word, to help in understanding what it is that you're reading. A personal favorite of mine, there, there's an app that's put out by the Bible Project, and it's, it's called the Read Scripture app. And so each day they give you a little passage of scripture to read. And on most days, a short five minute video that just explains to you a little more about the, the passage that you're reading, helping you understand it a little more. And it, it takes you through the entire Bible. And there are so many resources out there like that. And if you, if you ever want to look into more or, or see what kind of resources are there, please reach out to myself, reach out to Daryl. We'd love to help you find some sort of a resource that will, will help you in studying God's word because it is through reading this book, through spending time in God's word that we are able to know who he is, that we're able to, to hear him speak to us through the words that he spoke to the prophets and the words that he spoke through Jesus Christ those words of authority and power of Jesus Christ are all recorded right here. And so I want to end with this, this Christmas we're celebrating because Christ was born because he came, he lived among us as a human being revealing God's word to us in himself, speaking a message of hope and salvation from sins and providing a way for us to have that salvation. 
through him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Lord, thank you that you have spoken to us, God, through, through your powerful word, Lord, that you, uh, that you spoke through the prophets, God, and that you sent your own son, God, to speak your word with power and authority. Lord, to, to show us what it means to follow you, Lord, to provide a way for us to be saved from our sins, God, to have a relationship with you. Lord, it is such an incredible gift. Lord, I, I pray as we come up to this um, to Christmas this year and as we're continuing in this series and talking about uh, why Christmas, Lord, that we would just be in awe of who you are. Lord, we would be in awe of your son, Jesus Christ. And God, that each day as we spend time in your word, reading it and studying it and learning about you, God, that you would speak to us through your word. That God, each and every day, you would be at work in our hearts, Lord, changing us to be more like your son and helping us to follow you. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for tuning in today. We hope that this is an encouragement to you. As always, if you want to know more about us and our ministry, feel free to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or go to our website. Thanks so much and see you next time.